Welcome to episode seven of What the Football, brought to you by Game Time, the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all of the sports, music, comedy, and theater events near you. Game Time's got killer last-minute deals, all-in prices, views from your seat. You will know exactly what to expect when you arrive. Take the guesswork out of buying tickets with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account. Use the code WTF for $20 off of your first purchase. Restrictions apply. Visit GameTime.co for terms. Again, create an account. Redeem the code WTF for $20 off. Download GameTime today. Last-minute tickets. Lowest price guaranteed. Amy Trask, we are one week away from the trade deadline. Okay, so here we are. And it's one week from today, 4 o'clock Eastern. What exactly is the deadline? Is there a real deadline? Like, take us behind and explain what really happens. It is a hard deadline this year, as you noted, a week from today. So it's not trick-or-treat. It's trick-or-trade because it falls on Halloween. It is a hard deadline. In order to make a trade before the deadline, you've got to have everything essentially signed, sealed, and delivered. And by delivered, I mean delivered to the league office before that deadline. But, Susie, there's been a lot of debate for a lot of decades about whether the trade deadline should be as early as it is. And these discussions go back to my years in the league, and the season was shorter. So even when the season was shorter, there were a number of team owners who were advocating behind those closed doors of league meetings Push the trade deadline out to have it after week eight makes no sense because the you know players are going to get injured, teams are going to have needs. But there were other owners who were absolutely opposed to that saying, no, 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 we don't want fire sales towards the end of the season. We don't want dumps towards the end of the seasons and we don't want players being scooped up for a game or two. And that was a very, very serious um It was a healthy debate. The deadline wasn't moved. And by the way, there can be a compromise. It doesn't need to be after week eight. It also doesn't need to be week 14. You could split the distance and have it after week 10, especially now that the season's longer. But these debates went back decades. Yeah, you would think that they would move things around now that the season has changed a bit. And sometimes the NFL can be inflexible, but it seems to me like that would be the perfect thing to push back. And I wouldn't be surprised if we see that happen at some point. Again, even going back to when it was a 16-game season, there were a number of owners pushing to extend it, a number of owners against it. But now you've got that extra cushion of games. You know, Rich, earlier on the Rich Eisen Show, and you can find this on YouTube uh, on the Rich Eisen Show page, He had the top five guys that he would go all in for for the trade deadline. I'll throw these out at you. He had Justin Simmons in Denver. Of course, the captain could be on the hot seat. Like He would go all in for him. DeAndre Hopkins from the Titans. Brian Burns, the Carolina Panthers D. He had Derrick Henry. And by the way, if I am shopping and I'm going out there, what I wouldn't do to have Derrick Henry on my team. So he, for me, would be number one. For him, he had Saquon Barkley. And it's funny because Jerry Jones just today on Tuesday mentioned that he likes to sit back and wait for teams to come to him. He wants to sit back and and get entertained. He mentioned he had a great um, terminology. He called it the initiation of an opportunity to make a trade, which I've never heard before. But what is that like? Like What's your take on Jerry Jones saying that he wants to sit back there and wait for people to approach him? to improve his team? Well, first of all, from a business standpoint, that's just really smart. You don't want to be the person asking. I don't have issues with that. A lot of others do. A lot of others say you want to be the person who's being approached. And clearly that's what Jerry was saying. And I love that Jerry said it as only Jerry would say it. And let me tell you something, Suze. During my years in the league, 
I learned a lot of expressions in those league meetings from Jerry Jones. I've never shared this with anyone before. You ready for it? I'm ready. We're at a league meeting, and Jerry stands up. Because when you talked at league meetings, you stood up. You either walked to a microphone or you just stood up and roamed around while you spoke. Jerry walks up to the microphone, and he's speaking, and he uses the expression, lick log. We, it was either, we, need to, we, need to, we don't want to lick log anymore, or we need to stop lick logging, something like that. And we're all looking around like, what the hell does lick log mean? I actually, you know, asked, what's lick log? And Jerry then explained in the room what lick log means. It's where you take a big log and you cut it like a trench in it and you fill it with water and animals drink out of the log. But I just want you to know, I learned the expression lick log from Jerry Jones. And he always came up with great expressions. I wonder who would be the lick log for him right now. I mean, I wonder who... He would sit there and take the phone and say, I want to I want to have this conversation. I wonder who the player is that would be most enticing for Jerry Jones. That's such a great question that well, I have no answer to. And maybe he'll and look, I'm not suggesting it. So cowboy fans, take a deep breath. This is not inside info. But maybe it'll, Jerry will do what Al did. Maybe someday Jerry will trade for a coach. <laughs> That's very true. What was that like? Uh when Al decided to trade Gruden to yeah. Tampa Bay. Yeah. I was my husband and I, I I had been advocating against the trade. I didn't think it made sense to trade him. Um, Rob and I are out of town. We get home one night. We're walking in the house. We've got all our things in our arms. Landline rings. Yeah, kids, Google it. We had landlines. Landline rings. It's Al. And all I hear is blah, 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 trade John Gruden. And I said, no, no, no. I've been telling you, I don't think we should do this. And he says to me, you didn't hear me. I just told you we did it. Click. So that's how that happened. Oh, well, that happened. What was Al like around deadlines? You know, the trade deadline wasn't of particular importance to Al because most of his trades were pre-draft. He was always looking for that extra draft capital or to looking to exploit a team that wanted extra draft capital. So a lot of trades were, were before the draft, and one in particular that resonated with me was Kirk Morrison. Kirk Morrison grew up in Oakland. He went to high school in Oakland. His dad was a season ticket holder. Kirk bought his dad's season tickets. And um, when we traded Kirk, Al did something that I just thought was magnificent. He called Kirk personally. And, you know, a lot of times people forget you're not trading a commodity. You're not trading a thing. You're trading a human being. And many times these people that you are trading have significant others who may have jobs in the community in which they live. You may have children in school and players. Suze, I don't know if a lot of people know this. If you're traded, you may have less than 24 hours to get your gear in a bag and get on an airplane and get to the new team. So if you're traded on a Monday or a Tuesday, you're with your new team by Wednesday. And, and these are humans, not commodities. And Al knew that. Yeah, and you know, I think one thing that you talked to me about when we were talking yesterday was about this personal side of it. Sometimes I think that women have a different experience because we have, I don't know, maybe a greater emotional depth to get to, but I think people forget just how personal the side of these trades are. There's families involved, there's schools. You're absolutely right, of course. Families, what do you do? You're now traded to a team 3,000 miles away. Your kids are in school. Uh, your significant other may have a job that can't be left at that moment. Do you bring your family with you for the remainder of that season? Do you just sort of tough it out and live on your own for that season? Now, look, I get it. There, These are 
as my nephew would call them, champagne problems because you are flown back and forth by the team and you're put up immediately in a nice hotel room and you're not bearing any expense for a new apartment right off the bat or a new house. So I get it. You're well taken care of. But there are human factors of leaving behind a significant other or children. You know, Taylor Swift said that too, right? Champagne problems. You mean my nephew didn't invent that? Can oh, you believe it? Joe, I am coming after you. Travis's girlfriend. You, Joe, you told me champagne problems. Actually, your dad did, my brother. And I didn't know you lifted that from Taylor. Such, such trouble. Um, I, have a real, I have a real treat for you today. We have a great guest. We got quarterback killer. QB killer <gasps> coming on the show today. I'm going to talk to him about kittens. I thought that you would love that. Warren Sapp joins us up uh, coming up next year on What the Football. And honestly, I want to say this about Warren Sapp. I remember, like, you know, and I'll, I'll mention this to him too. You know, when I covered him when I was at ESPN, I thought this guy's got to be the scariest guy in the world. Getting to know him has been such a treat. He's a pussy And cat. when I reached out to him to say, Warren, can you come on? Sometimes guys are like, they don't get back to you. You have to go through their, you know, their PR people or their assistants. Boom, right away. What time you want me? What time? Oh, wow. Set, he said to me today, I set three alarm clocks to make sure that I wouldn't be late. So that's the kind of guy that Warren Sapp really is. I had his back when he was a Raider. I will always have his back. And he may not like me sharing this with you right now, but I'll share it with him as well. He is an absolute pussycat. Yeah, there you go. So Warren Sapp joins us next on What the Football. But first, I want to talk to you again about GameTime.co. You know how frustrating it can be to find the perfect tickets for a game or a concert you've been dying to see. And like I tell you guys this all the time. When you have a lot of kids like we do, like Rich and I have three kids, you know, you ought to make sure the seats are right. You got to make sure before you get those seats that you can actually see the field, see the stage, what have you. And I love about GameTime is that you can go there and you can check out the view from the seats because I don't want to screw up. I mean, I love the app. It's easy to use for even an idiot like me. You can see everything, and it doesn't pull any punches. You know right up front what goes all in with cost because it's expensive to take your family to an event. So I want to make sure it's worth it. It's the perfect solution to finding tickets to satisfy everyone, and I love that they have tickets and deals right up until like an hour after whatever it is that you're going to start. It's the best place to find those last-minute tickets. So deemed, download sorry, the Game Time app, create an account, Use the code WTF for $20 off of your first purchase. Restrictions apply. Visit GameTime.co for terms. Again, create an account. Redeem it. WTF. That's what the football people. Do I have to spell out everything for you? Good Lord. For $20 off, download GameTime today. Last-minute tickets. Lowest price guaranteed. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about... How to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford anything, wherever you listen. All right. As promised, Warren Sav joins us here on What the Football. Warren, where are you? What is happening? Set me the pages here because it looks like a hurricane is brewing over your shoulders. No, it's just a hurricane on the screen. It's just a little Texas storm brewing around me. I'm in Austin. I went to the F1 race this Sunday, and it was absolutely fabulous. And then the people I'm with decided to stay a couple extra days and play golf. That's what they. That's what I got out of so you're really slumming, and I can tell. Let's, let's talk about this. Oh, yeah, horrible life I live. For horrible her, life for I live. Everybody, somebody's got to do it. 
for everybody who's listening to this, Warren's got a full mohawk going on. So, like, what what's happening with the look going on? I, I kind of love it. All right. I got to tell you what happened. I went to the um, barber in December. I had a full head of hair because I had just let it grow everywhere because I just didn't care. And I wasn't going to see the kids for Christmas. They told me, Daddy, we're going somewhere else for Christmas. So I just let my hair grow out. And you know it's around my birthday, which is six days before Christmas. So I was really looking like a woolly mammoth. I mean, covered all the way up. So my, my girl looks at me and was like, really? You're going to go through your birthday and Christmas looking like this? <laughs> so I go to the barber. And he said, what you want me to do with this? And I'm like, give me a mohawk. You know, because I've had braids, bald head, fades. I've had every hairdo you can have except this one. So I said, I'm going to go do this. And she'll be mad at me and make me cut it off. And then I can start all the way back over again. <laughs> Walked in the house. She was like, I love it. I'm like, oh, jeez. <laughs> hey, so, so now, now you have the story so that's why i have a mohawk now well i think your mohawk looks terrific warren this is amy and hey hey it is so good and so fun to see you on our screen it's been too long what is the most powerful woman in sports doing nowadays she ain't with the raiders i am riding on Susie schuster's shoulders and joining her on this podcast and by the way warren i do plan on sharing a mushy gushy story about you oh That'll be all right because, you know, not a lot of those stories exist or <laughs> old at any time of the day. <laughs> we're going to so get to that in a minute. I got to ask you, first of all, you're wearing a lot of Buffalo's gear. So last time you were on Rich's show, and that was about a month ago, you mentioned that you were undergoing a process within yourself and thought about maybe it would be a good idea to join Dion's staff. What's the uh, update on that right now? I'm still in the process. You know, college classes don't go as fast as the, as I thought they did. <laughs> I thought the 21st century had a lot of instant this and instant that. College is still college, so I got to do a little work. So I don't mind the work because the work I want to put in is well worth what I got to go through right now. Walk us through this, Warren. What are you taking in college right now? And by the way, I think it's just incredible that you are back to school. Oh, no. This, this is just general studies. I'm not I'm not going for a degree where I'm trying to save anybody's life or cut a heart open or sew up an artery or do any of that. I'm teaching you how to go get generational wealth for your family at being a pass rusher and a disciplined defensive lineman and a college graduate because I'm not going to have them in the same position I am when they turn 50 and they don't have that degree. Warren, everything you just said has me covered in goosebumps because that which you just shared is not only wise, it is so important. And I'll tell you right now, those students, those athletes will be lucky to have you as a coach. That was really magnificent. And you know what? I am going to share that mushy gushy story about Warren Sapp right now, because as Warren said, there's not enough of that out there. Warren joins us with the Raiders shortly after he does. I get a call from Tony LaRusse's animal rescue foundation with which I work um, or with which I was on the board. Do you have an athlete who would sit and pose with us with some rescue animals and we can use it for our celebrity, you know, calendar? I walk up to Oren. I don't know Warren well. He's joined us recently. And I said, you know, Warren, would you pose with some dogs and cats? Doesn't hesitate, says absolutely. <laughs> After practice, Warren goes right over to where they're shooting them. Warren had taken off his shoulder pads and his helmets, but he's there straight from practice in a jersey. <laughs> and they put little kittens all over Warren. They put all kittens over. on his shoulders. They put kittens on his head. They put kittens on his lap. And we all know kittens have those really, really, really sharp little claws. And those kittens were going up under Warren's jersey, down his shoulders, up his sleeve, hanging onto his neck with their claws. Warren didn't flinch. 
He didn't budge, and he sat there for an hour with those kittens crawling all over him, and he saved dog and cat lives, and I will always love you for that, Warren. Oh, thank you very much. I had a good time with those little cats. That, that wasn't bad. That, that, ain't, that ain't no worse than any double teams I've been in for the last 13 years. So trust me, those cats was a, a nice change-up for me. And, and it was going to be a beautiful pitch in a calendar. There's no way I wasn't doing that. I mean, I, that's too easy. That's well, too I easy. love you for that, and I also love the idea of a kitten double team. <laughs> I love you back. Love you back. Warren, <laughs> what's the biggest misconception about you, you think? Uh, that I'm not a nice guy and I don't take pictures or I don't sign autographs. You know, I, I'm, I'm a home training kind of guy and I want anybody listening to this. When you see the big fella, it's very easy. The only thing I said, Mr. South, may I please? And now we good. Now we good. But this, can I, you know, are you willing to, I didn't know my willingness was in question. I thought it was your ability to ask the question and the way you were taught to ask the question in a nice, courteous way. That's all. I think it's oh, interesting really that you say that. But, you know, you said yeah, no, that. But... No, I'm, I say thank you, please, all the you. time. Oh, I love you. All the you. time. All the time. I, I, I say it so it diffuses that as a 6'2", 300-pound man in front of you saying, you know, may I have this, please. You know, it kind of, you look at me and, you know, it's a strange word, please and may I and thank you and excuse me. You, you don't hear it very often. So when you do hear it, you perk up to it. So when I hear please, I'm like, oh, not a problem. Thank you very much. I do think it is crazy how many people will walk up to an athlete and just huh? shove a, a piece of paper in their face. It, it's not. No, even no, 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 no. How about, how about the slapping? How about the slapping on the shoulder? How about the? Hey, how you doing? Like really? <laughs> like, like that's assault in forty-nine states. <laughs> I have to say, Warren. You know, it's funny. <laughs> I, when I was a kid and I was working at ESPN, it was right when you first started with Tampa Bay. And I would cut a lot of video of you. And, you know, look, you I thought you were probably scary. I mean, you scared a lot of quarterbacks, right? So I didn't know who you were. And I could have had a misconception. And, you know, I've known you for 15 years I or got so. You. Think, and, think about this, though. Think about this. I've been retired longer than I played. And it's not third in a lot. And you're not an NFL quarterback. So you are <laughs> not in danger. <laughs> I used to cut you're those videos. And I used to think, what it must be like to be on the other side of Warren Sapp coming down. That had to have been terrifying. Well, You know what? I think there's a couple guys you can ask, but I wouldn't know what it's like. I, I wouldn't want to do it because I tell all the gentlemen that I'm coaching, just imagine if I asked you to turn around and block yourself coming forward like you coming forward. You'd tell me to go F myself, wouldn't you? And they look at me with that little smirk on their face. So I'm asking a worse – they're asking a worse athlete to do it. So I need you to have that same look on your face when you go around. Do you understand what I'm asking? <laughs> so you bring this back to coaching, and I'm curious oh, what it's like for you them. now. Because I remember when you were on Rich's show last time, you mentioned that people weren't in your pockets yet. People weren't really digging into your pockets, wanting to get that information from you. So what's it like now having players who are thirsty to learn from you? Because it kind of plays into that whole idea of maybe you'll go, maybe you'll go coach with Dion, but What's it like to have this wealth of information and have these kids so hungry to learn? The scary part is coming up with something new. So I got to dig. I got to I gotta go study. I got to go do what I'm doing, and I got to lead them a certain way when I'm giving them messages and different things to go look at. That's the challenge for me now, to go back in this old brain of mine and dig it out. And then I'm digging into Marinelli and some of the guys I used to play with to recall it because I, it ain't that fresh to me anymore. And then when me and Marinelli talk, and we get to going and sending messages back and forth, I get something new. 
and then I have something new to send to them. So what I'm doing is resourcing what, what taught me, and I'm teaching them what I learned because the game ain't changed. It's 104 years old, and I promise you, it ain't going to change much from where it's at right now. Warren, I am team please and team thank you and team you're welcome and hearing you say that and that you pass that on to others is magnificent i actually wrote an op-ed for the san francisco chronicle called the lost art of saying thank you so i love you for so much i love you for sitting under the kittens i love you for please and thank you and i will add i never ever ever saw in the years warren and i were together with the raiders Warren say no to anyone who graciously approached him and asked him for an autograph. He said yes every time. And I'll share one last thing with you, Warren. You know who else adored you? Al Davis, because the quarterback must go down, and he must must go down hard. In the first five plays of the game, in the first five plays of the game, the quarterback must go down, and he must go down hard. The words (laughs) of the great Al Davis. I do love that man. I mean, I do. Everything about him. Everything about him. And he loved you. What was your oh, yeah. best, what's we your had best Al Davis we had a good story? Time we just didn't win many games. What's your, what's your best <laughs> Al Davis memory, Warren? What'd you say, my best Al Davis story? Memory. What's your best Al Davis memory story? What you got for us? Sitting week 17, I went into his office to tell him that that would be my last game, which was Jamar- Jamarcus Russell. First thought, we were playing San Diego in week 17. And we were sitting in his office, and we were watching Randy Moss and uh, Tom Brady going for the records, 50 touchdowns, and Randy Moss breaking uh, Jerry Rice's 23 touchdowns. He had 25 that year. And I was sitting there with him. <laughs> and, and Tom told one of them deep bombs to Randy, and Randy ran underneath it, and he turned and looked at me, and he said, Mike Lombardi said he couldn't run anymore. <laughs> say what? It's always Mr. Davis to go back and say, I had that young man right here. How how did I not see that go up and down my field? I loved him for that because he was always the competitor, always talking about how he could better the Raiders. And it was just a pleasure to sit with him and watch that second half of the game and watch him eat 11 French fries. It just, the man, the myth, the legend, I'm just glad I had an opportunity to get that close to him. And he allowed me to sit there with him and watch football. That was the greatest, one of the greatest memories I have. And the NFL is sitting watching Sunday Night Football with Al Davis. Watching football with Al was special, but I am so glad you referenced those French fries. Yeah, tell me more about that. What do you mean 11 French fries? I don't know what you're talking about. That's what he does, 11 French fries. I mean, give him 11 French fries, though. He will go, he he will lose it. It's like Obama with the, what is it, seven almonds that he ate at night or something like that? Yeah. Al was like that with his fries. He'd count out his French fries? Well, someone else would. Somebody else would. (laughs) You had to bring him 11 French fries. 11 fries. Warren, who wasn't a Raider that should have been a Raider? Like, you were born to be in those colors and in those stripes and wearing that helmet. Who wasn't a Raider that you think should have been? John Lynch would have fit. Derek Brooks would have fit. Mm. Rondé Barber would have fit. All my, Hall of, all my Hall of Fame teammates would have fit, no doubt about it, because we loved the game. And when you love the game and then you get near Raider Nation – and there's 26 stores up and down California, and everywhere you go, the hotel is full with the fans. I was like, boy, I had fun in Tampa, but boy, this would have been insane. <laughs> but I won a championship with the Raiders. That's insane. That's like stupid legendary. I mean, I mean, I, I, I don't begrudge my time in Tampa, but boy, those four years of Raiders really gave me an idea of what it really meant to have a nation behind you. Like they always talk about Cowboy Nation, Raider Nation. Yeah, it's real.
Yeah, they all, absolutely all, all those other teams stole the word nation. I know. It's Raider Nation all day long and twice on Sunday. So what do you think is going on with Raider Nation now? We got the wrong guy at the helm. We're trying to implement something that is dead. The Patriot way is dead. Bill Belichick even knows it. The Patriot way is dead, and Josh McDaniel is trying to recreate something that he doesn't have the credentials for. He doesn't. He, he's not Bill Belichick. We watched him do this in Denver when he drafted Tim Tebow and ran the Broncos into the ground. He's going to do the same thing in Oakland. When I mean, what did Maya Angelou say? When someone shows you who they are the first time, believe them. Josh McDaniels is not a good football coach. That reminds me of the old they are they are who we thought they were going to be. Isn't that Denny Green? Was oh, that, that oh yeah, the old yeah, Denny Green, yeah, right. baby. Yep, yep. What, we're going to crown them? <laughs> yeah, crown there, huh? They are <laughs> who we thought they'd be, yep. right? Yep. That's a bad Denny yeah. Green impression. You know, but you, you get what I'm saying. No, but we got it. We got it, baby. We can see him up there. God bless Diddy. Diddy was a good man. Diddy something. Uh, yeah. Tony Dungeon. Thank God. Very good. Four picks against Grossman and two fumbles. What did you see about the Bears? Uh, we shut them down that way? No, we, you know, I mean, we, we just, uh, we, the Bears are what we thought they were. What, what, what we thought they were. We played them in preseason. Who the hell takes a third game in a preseason like it's bull? <laughs> we played them in the third game. Everybody played three quarters. The Bears are who we thought they were. Thought they were. Loved That's why we took the damn field. The field. Now, if you want to crown them, then crown their ass. Crown. But he but wasn't mad at all. But he wasn't mad at all, Warren. He wasn't angry what at all. What time did he agree, baby? What time did he agree? <laughs> so crazy. I want to ask you a question about modern-day coaching. How would you mm -hmm. approach the tush-push? How do you teach young guys to defend that? <laughs> Don't let them in that situation. Don't put them on your one-yard line, and then you won't have to worry about the tish push, the brotherly shove, or whatever they want to call it. Whatever they want to call it. Because I, I used to, you know, get to asked all the questions about, you know, the end zone celebration. Don't let them in your end Don't zone. Don't let them you in. You got to worry about them dancing. You got to worry about them dancing. Don't give them 31 on your one-yard line. You ain't got to worry about them tush pushing. Come on, man. Play better D. Play better D and shut up. So you're still friends with Gruden, right? Yes. And you said McDaniel's the wrong guy. I'm curious, what's Gruden up to these days? Hey, uh, just sitting in the lab in the F FCCA, the Fire Coaches Convention of America. You know, he's just sitting there <laughs> watching the tape, being extra critical more than anything I've ever seen. He's he's fired up about ball, but I think he's in a good spot right now. He's he's almost you know done with whatever the thing going on, and we're about to get a decision out of that, and he'll. We play more golf when when I get him out of that damn place. <laughs> how's your right golf? Now, how's your golf? Better, better. I shot mm -hmm. an 87 the other day. I was ecstatic. Oh, I was ecstatic. 42, 45. Wow. You know something? I've never in my entire whole life played golf. You've never? How? It's just, well, I rode horses, so right. that's what took my time. I, you can't do both. Yeah, but I would, get to, I would get to be invited to be the token girl playing golf. Like never when I was covering golf. the Lakers... I would constantly get invited to go to golf tournaments because I just needed a girl, right? And so I'm good for a scramble. Warren, if you need me, I'm around because I can hit the crap off yeah. of, off a tee. But I'm never, but I'm never the one that gets the, that does the invite or pays the money for the thing. I'm normally the celebrity, you know. No, you and Marshall. I know. I always say this to Marshall Falk, and he's always like, oh, "Babes, I get invited." I'm like, "Dude, take me." Yeah, with that's you. what we're telling you. We're the <sighs> one that get invited, and we tell them we bringing somebody else. They're gonna like, "Uh, we had three. You're, or we had four. You're the celebrity. You know, it's kind of." Yeah, they kind of dig. They they do it wrong. You know, golf is one of those. 
you know, button up sports. They don't they don't like they don't like to break the rules. They're snooty. <laughs> That's probably why I don't like golf. No, they're snooty. Yeah, yeah. they don't like to break the rules. There has to be a foursome, love... maybe a fivesome, never a sixsome. Like what? Come on, grow up. I Nobody love cares. to break rules. I know you do. Me too. Me That's... too. I got a couple written against me in the NFL, so yeah. <laughs> what's your, your what's your, come on, what's your favorite NFL rule to break? Uh, the one when they were telling me I couldn't go through people's stretch, but I, I didn't get a chance to break it. They made it after I left. I didn't get a chance to break it, and nobody else gave me that opportunity. Even Tampa, Tampa even switched the side. They, 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 they stretch on. They switched it from the north end zone to the south. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. I can't warm up running out five yards. Uh-uh. I got I to gotta have a whole field. Let me, let me get some extension. <laughs> you think that the quarterbacks are too protected these days? Are we treating them like with too much of a white glove situation? I think the quarterback is overpaid today because what we paying some of these guys – I don't see the wins and the and the, and the yardage and the, and the touchdowns going up and down the field. I mean, Daniel Jones, can you justify that money? No. My goodness. My goodness. Holy smokes. I mean, it's, it's a couple of quarterbacks that's due to money, but, I mean, once you lock in your quarterback for that kind of money, how do you get the other people around him to make the team whole? So what about you? Like, if you were playing right now, who is the quarterback out there right now that you feel like I could destroy this guy on every single snap? Warren, before you no, answer, I, wait, wait, wait. Before you answer that, I'm going to say he could destroy most every quarterback on any given snap. Well, well, yeah. I got, I got, I got a, I got a better answer than both of them. It kind of goes your way. They all taste like chicken. I, I, it doesn't matter, you know. But there's some out there that I know will present a challenge. Like, I mean. Pat Mahomes is just, mm-hmm. I mean, he was a magician down in Tampa. And if Tariq, if Tariq Hill catches that ball that he hit him between the eyes with, we got a different Super Bowl being played that day. And Josh Allen is one of the, you know, I call him the unicorn because he's just special in every way, shape, and form. I mean, he's just able to, to, to do some very, very special things. And the mystery irrelevant looked like he wasn't human until Monday night last night. So, <laughs> you know, this is, I, I, I'd love to chase them all because they're throwing it 40 times. I mean, my goodness. Sheesh. If I had that many opportunities, I'd, I'd love it, but i get a little tired too, but, you know. Would hey, you want to play now? Would you want to play now, come back for a couple games if you could? Like, no, because too much field turf. Nothing. Too much field turf. Too much field turf. Interesting. No, that's, that's not the surface I want to play on. What uh-uh. a, so tell me why that, uh-uh. that bothers you. Walk me through this from an athlete's perspective, please. Okay. Field turf is supposed to be a better answer to the, the rug, the carpet, the astral turf, right? Right. It's right? supposed to be an improvement over when I joined the league and it was AstroTurf, it was yeah, like that's people, what I'm saying. That they was painted green on better, cement. Our, Are you a better alternative Almost. to right. turf, right? right? That was that, that was supposed to be the sale. Right. But the problem with that is AstroTurf, I can go put basketball shoes on and have a nice comfy, you know, uh bottom to, to absorb the shock of playing with concrete underneath the bottom. We knew it was concrete underneath the bottom, but it, you didn't fall on it like concrete. And the thing with field turf is, with those little rubber pellets, you think it's solid ground until you stomp your foot down. And every time, watch any of these games. When the, like when Kelsey got ready to stomp his foot and go up the field, it slides underneath your feet. You think you're on solid ground, but you're not. And you don't know it until you stomp and get ready to go forward and you slide. And you're like, what the? And you realize it's the turf that's underneath your feet. And that's the worst thing for a football player is to not have solid footing or have a field. That's why we used to yell at the, the vet because it had those little ribbons down the side in the different places where the bases were and different things. So 
You know, we want a smooth surface. If you give me AstroTurf, it's a smooth carpet, let's bang. All right, go well, for 60 minutes and we're done. And here's a question for you about Oakland when you were there and there were games oh, where it was the still infield. in ba- the, infield the infield dirt. Oh, what were your thoughts? Okay, compare field oh. turf with infield dirt. No, 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 no. Well, there was only two teams in the National Football League that had that, and that was us and the Dolphins. Did we you? used to root for the A's. We used to root for the A's not to make the playoffs. Right. Yeah, we just root for the A's. Now, Amy knows this. We're rooting for the A's not to make the playoffs. Like, my God, can we have our field back? I mean, it's just that that is a that that you know you don't have solid footy. And when you get on it, you you don't take off. You know, you, yep. you play a little scoop game on the on the clay until you get to the grass. I mean, uh, trust me, I had it all. <laughs> I had it all. I played in the Astro Dome and uh, Alameda that had clay in it. So oh, trust boy. me, I, I've had it all. Well, at all. Your reference to the Astrodome, that was that was that was tough. That was tough. And in and in Oakland, when we were we hated that there was dirt in the infield. The A's oh. hated that we were playing on the infield dirt, and they sent someone out between every single change of possession to, to water rake, the dirt to and rake, rake, water the, and rake it back like, down to make it smooth. Right, yes. dude, what are you doing? Yes. We've got, you know, an hour and a half to play and you're watering the dirt and raking it down after every yep. possession. Yep. Yeah, because that 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 clay has to be smooth for that ball to have a natural roll on it for you to you know not have a ball bounce and all of a sudden you got a single out of a you know a four three you know <laughs> easy out <laughs> six four out and now all of a sudden it's it's a base hit and now we got the the pitcher scared <laughs> the coaching the pitching coach don't know what to call hey, yeah yeah you turn a baseball game upside down with one little booboo. So if you were in charge of the National Football League, what is the one thing you would change then, Warren Warren Sapp? I like it. I like it. I really do. I, I just, I would have, I would, I would put two more referees on the field. That's what I would do. Oh, I like and that. I fair. Put them, yeah. Yeah. Because you know, the head linesman and the line judge don't move from the line of scrimmage when the ball is snapped and it's third and 17 and this guy's running, trying to get a spot. There's no chance they're going to get the way they can point. spot this ball. You know what I'm saying? Yep. So let's put two more referees right at the first down marker and let them mark the first down. That's a great idea. We're playing a game of inches, and that's giving away yards. It drives me crazy every Sunday and Monday. I'll be like, come on. You, you, we play, I mean, that ref is in no position to make that play, to make that call. He's not even there. It's a great point. Two yeah, more. that's the one thing I have. Two more minutes with Warren Sapp. Okay, I yeah. can't believe I'm going to walk into this one, but I'm going to walk into this one. Ready? Rich said you told him there are three words on your forehead. That people always want to read. He's like, I can't ask him that question on the Rich Eisen show. It's all yours. Warren, what are those three words? There's a sign on my forehead that says F with him. And it splashes like Krispy Kreme now serving hot. Now, ask your husband to give you the examples when he was with me, and then you'll have a better appreciation. I, I, I can't go into it. It's an everyday thing. All right, I got one for you. I went to Creamsicle Day Sunday in Tampa. What? They asked me to uh, fire the cannons in the ship. I hadn't, I, you know, I had never done this. So they asked me to, you know, go to the ship, watch the team run out, come out, you know, with some props or whatever. I got two, 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 two swords. I'm looking like Blade in that thing with two swords. <laughs> I got my, I got my old '99 jersey on, cream circle. But before I get to the ship, I'm inside the little hospitality room where I can get me a nice drink and enjoy it. A little pregame, you know, festivities before I go up and do a little work. A guy walks up to me. He says, you wear your own jersey? 
<laughs> so I sat there for a second. I say, no, I normally put Brooks or Barbara on my back. <laughs> like, like, what other jersey am I supposed to wear here? Really? You're sitting here like, like, I'm not one of you losers who come in here wearing a jersey because you know, don't ask me how I feel about grown men wearing jerseys with other men's on the see, back. I can't say that. See, I want to say that, but I can't say that. I just said That's it for you. I'm not one of these losers that come in here. I always think like a grown man's going to walk into a stadium with another man's jersey but, on. It's a little weird. I'm a grown man, but I'm a grown man with my own jersey on. And then this man asks me, do I wear my own jersey? The second question I asked him was, did you not see me out there on the field with it, with the shoulder pads underneath it and the helmet off? This is the one I wore. Like, did you see this, this grass mine. stain right here? It's because yeah, this was mine. I it. No, no, it wasn't. No, it wasn't. It wasn't an authentic game worn or anything like that. But it was my jersey that you know they had made again for me to wear for this occasion. I'm like, do I wear my own jersey? Who else am I supposed to put on? Can you please explain That's it? So Can you tell insane. me this? That is so I guess, insane. He, I guess he kind of felt silly at this point because he was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because the lady that was serving the roast, the, 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 the tacos next to me, she bust out laughing because, you know. <laughs> <laughs> that and is... she said, it's, oh, yeah, and she said, his own jersey. Who else he's supposed to wear? And I guess it kind of dawned on him like that he was being a little, you know, out there. And I'm like, so who else am I supposed to put on? You you, you, you tell me. You know, Warren, before we let you go, a couple quick thoughts. One, that which you have written on your forehead is the same thing written on my forehead. You and me, same. Number two, I will forever, ever, ever thank you for letting those kittens crawl all over you. Number three, I love that we both say thank you. So thank you for joining us. And number four, I think any students and any athletes would be so fortunate to have you as a coach. You know what? I love you so much, Amy Trash, for all the years you just kept me covered over there in Oakland. And the most powerful woman. I did woman cover you. Not, I did cover and nobody, you. And, and the most powerful woman in sports is not riding Susie Tail Coat. Y'all riding together, baby. Thanks, Ray. <laughs> this is my ride or die, my friend, QB. I like it. I like it. What I like you, it. What you, before we leave you, before we leave you, huh? what are you drinking? Huh? Come on. Show me what, what you, know what what? you got. I'm at, I'm at, I'm at Trez. I'm at Trez. Treaty Oak. Treaty Oak Distillery. And they have a blonde, because everyone loves a blonde. You know that. Don't they really? Warren Sapp, will you please come back Look, on it What the says Football Oak whenever in the back. you want? That's kind of cool. It's you got to come back. You got to come back on this podcast. Anytime, Absolutely. Anytime. You got the number. Anytime you want some of this, you let Fat Boy know, and I'll come through. Baby. Love it. I would love it. I'll always I'll have you back, Warren. You take love care, you both. Warren Love Sapp. you both. I'll be good. All right. Not afraid to say it. I love Warren Sapp. I can't imagine anybody that you want to have your back more than Warren Sapp. And now that I think about it, I think of somebody that I'd like to stick Warren Sapp on. Um, Amy called me uh, the other day after she got off the air from that other pregame show on CBS. And you talked to me, you talked to me about um, someone who tweeted at you and said to you the following, get a new hairdo. That's not flattering. You look bad. And it really pissed me off in a QB killer kind of way. Because I just thought to myself, how dare you from your mom's couch <laughs> go at Amy for your hair? And Amy, you were really brave to go back and respond to it. But why did you? Well, first of all, there's two people I would love to always have my back. One is Warren Sapp. The other is Susie Schuster. If I have you two at my back, I am good for life. Um, I went back at him for the following reason. I 
was the kid who, from the time I can remember, from the littlest age, youngest age, grew up tremendously, tremendously insecure about my appearance. I still am, Susie. I always knew I wasn't the pretty girl in the room. Um, the scariest thing I do from a professional standpoint is be on camera. Nothing terrifies me more than being on camera. And of course, I'm talking about in a professional sense or scarier things in the world. But I really and truly am scared about being on camera. And I thought that if I shared what he said and I contextualized it and explained, I grew up with all these insecurities, I still have insecurities, that maybe someone else who's insecure might be a little heartened to know they're not the only ones with insecurity. I mean, you want me to stand in front of a bank and make a presentation for you and get you a half billion dollar line of credit? I'm your girl. That doesn't scare me. You want me to be on camera, which I am right now? It scares me. I'm scared looking at this camera right now. And when he went after me, I thought, you know what? If you had done this to me when I was younger, when I was growing up, when I was a tween or a teen, it would have leveled me. And it doesn't level me anymore. So if by sharing what he did and letting other people know we all have insecurities, maybe it helped someone. You said that so perfectly and so succinctly. And I'm sure it made you feel like a million bucks to see your Amy nation, your princess of <laughs> darkness nation come after this loser mongrel the way they did. And I think people don't really understand what it's like to put your face out there proverbially, you know, literally, figuratively. I totally get it. You know, Mike Del Tufo, who runs sound here, he and I have known each other for 25 years. And when I worked at Fox Sports, I was the only non-Playboy playmate. I had to get thick skin really fast. I still get thick skin. I mean, anytime Rich posts a picture of me on his social media feed, I, I brace myself first, waiting to see what's the one negative. And you're stunning. The, you know, but, and you're sweet and you're nice. But like, you know, as one, one executive told me, I was a Jewish nine. And I said, what does that mean? Like an American six? Like, you know, you, you get ready to deflect yourself from the negativity. And what I really appreciated was that you were willing to come on today and explain your rationale. Well, you know, we just talked to Warren and he shares my view on saying thank you. So it, to answer your question, the fact that so many people responded as supportively and lovingly as they did was overwhelming. And I wrote back to every single one I saw saying thank you. Yeah. And some people think I'm nuts for saying thank you as much as I do. But Warren Sapp does not think I'm nuts for saying thank you. But Susie, every single person has an insecurity. And by the way, if there's a person out there that doesn't have any insecurity, either A, they're not being honest with himself, or maybe they're a serial killer. Quite possibly. Um, but if by sharing our insecurities with younger people can help them to realize that we have insecurities too, maybe it helps. And to those people that want to tweet or post or X or Instagram or anything, something like that, just don't. I mean, why do you need to be mean? Why is it helpful for someone to be mean to someone else? Well, let's face it. It's because they feel bad about themselves, right? So that's the problem with social media. It's why I don't have a Twitter account because it's toxic and mean and awful and because it gives license and a megaphone to people who shouldn't have it. And to that point, and you are a parent and you are a magnificent mom. Actually, I read best mom ever. Yeah, I have a sign. Yeah, you do. And, it, and it's well-earned and well-deserved. But the thought of what you have to deal with, with social media and kids now, I mean, look, when we were growing up, 
when you had a mean girl moment, when there was a mean girl in the lunchroom or the playground or the locker room, it stayed right there. Now someone's a mean girl, or in this instance last Sunday, a mean guy, and it's viral. Well, I just hope whoever it was knows that Warren Sapp has had a couple, and he's breathing <laughs> down your neck and coming for you. So hide, hide, don't leave your room. Uh, I want to thank everybody for listening to this. We're really delighted that we are building together our own nation of What the Football listeners. It means a lot to us that you come back. And I would close today by saying, obviously, thanks to you, Amy, because you're my ride or die. And thanks to Warren Sapp for taking the time and for everybody here who works on What the Football. I always say to, um, to Rich, if you have a platform, use it. So I will take the opportunity to say, just listen to what we had to say and, and be kind. Just take a moment to be nice. The world is in a crazy place. Be kind. Have a great day. Have a great week. Keep listening to What the Football, and we will see you next Tuesday. John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. Together... It's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on, right? How many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra driver? I think I can get an extra five to ten. What if I give you 15 to 20? <laughs> you pay me more. Jeff Smith right? teaches on the sliding scale. <laughs> those weekend golf guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen.